0: On August 24th, 1992, at 5 a.m. in the morning, Hurricane Andrew made its way onto the shores of South Florida. And after the devastation that came in its wake, we we saw 17-foot storm surge. We saw winds up to 175 miles per hour. As a result, that was the most costly, costliest devastation our state has ever known. And at that point, the most cost- costliest in U.S. history, about 64,000 homes were totally wiped out. Another 124,000 were destroyed in some capacity or another, even to the point that it took 65 people's lives. I was was about 15 years old in 1992, and I remember going with my parents, driving through Homestead in Florida City as our church mobilized with other churches and nonprofits to start rebuilding. And I was just shocked and floored at the devastation. But then I saw something beautiful happen. Different people from different walks of life different churches denominations ethnic backgrounds different community organizations working together for one cause to rebuild i remember learning a lesson from my parents during that time and it was that lo- is that loving thy neighbor is not just done when it's convenient but when it's needed Now, we're in the second week of our sermon series called Rebuild. We've been taking a look at the book of Nehemiah and considering the year that we're in now, 2021. We've gone through so much this past year. A lot of it we just don't want to think about. We just want to leave it in the past. But we all know, we're wise enough to know, 2020 is not gone. We just changed one digit for another. And we're still facing many of the same circumstances, obstacles, that we did last year. But the question for us is, are we going to stay in a rut? Are we, by God's power and his grace and his mercy, are we going to stand up as a church, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and start to rebuild? I want to ask you a question. It's not one of those kind of pastor rhetorical questions just to kind of transition from the intro to point one. This is a serious question. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, get a pen, get a pad, and I want you to write down your answer to this question. If you don't have a pen and paper, don't worry. Take out your phone. Open up your notes app. Matter of fact, for those watching online, write your answers, if you're brave enough, in the chat room. The question I want us to start with is this. What are we asking God to rebuild in 2021? What do you desperately need the power of God to invade your life because you've seen devastation? You've seen heartache. You've seen hurt. You've seen years of effort and energy come to naught because 2020 wiped it out. What do you need God to rebuild this year? Is it your marriage? Is it your family life? Your career? Your health? Is it our community? Is it our nation? There are so many possible answers to that question, but what's yours? I'm serious. I want you to write it down because if you don't write it down, if you don't process, if you just let it slip by, then you're going to go through 2021 feeling like just, just like you did last year. But in order to move forward, we must have a clear target, a, a, a clear vision and understanding, a clear mission, what we are asking God for in this year. And so many of you guys are answering that question, and I'm sure at least a few of you are looking at what you wrote down and saying to yourself, Not a chance in the world. God cannot rebuild this. I know God built the world and the universe, but God, this is done. Stick a fork in it, Tim, this is done. And if that is you, be honest. Be honest with God. But if that's you this morning, I just want to let you know the book of Nehemiah is for you. This sermon is for you. Because you've lost hope. And I've been there. We've all been there. And we need to go to God and ask him to renew our strength. But the reality is, as we're going to see this morning, that God specializes in bringing life out of death. Hope out of despair, beauty from ashes. Yes, I know you feel stuck, but where you're at is not where you're going to remain. There is glory on the other side. God is speaking to you today, telling you it's time to rebuild. And I've seen God do marvelous acts before. It's one of my privileges of being a pastor, of being closely connected with many families, especially those who are hurting. I've seen marriages that were on the brink of divorce, and God radically infuses his grace, love, and mercy. It was hard work. A lot needed to be rebuilt, but God, by his glorious grace, rebuilt marriages. I've seen him healed families. I've seen him heal children and bring them out of addiction and bring them hope and renewal. I've seen people spend years in one career, and it comes to nothing, and God brings them up, put them back on their feet, and renews their purpose. God has done it, and he will do it again. But where does this start? Start from Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And that's where we find Nehemiah this morning in chapter 2 chapter 2 we find in, in chapter 1 and 2 we, think, we see god's people israel were in great trouble and shame god's people were scattered in foreign lands under the rule of the persian empire and slowly but surely god's people were making their way back to jerusalem the temple was starting to be rebuilt The customs and the faith community was starting to be restored, but news gets to Nehemiah that the walls and the gates surrounding Jerusalem were still in rubble, which meant they were susceptible to attacks and outside influences. So Nehemiah receives this news, and he's devastated. And in this book... The book of Nehemiah, God shows us yet again that he is faithful. God is faithful to keep his promise to his people. He is faithful to care for his people when, from their perspective, the present is difficult and the future looks bleak. God remains faithful. And so there's hope to be found. And Nehemiah offers it for us this morning. So today I want to talk to you on the topic of finding purpose even in the midst of crisis. If you have your Bible, open up to Nehemiah chapter 2, reading in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year, King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. This is Nehemiah speaking, because Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. Now, I had not been sad in the king's presence. Verse 2, and the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should I my face be sad when the city and the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases you, king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you would send me to Judah to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting by his side, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I have given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter from Asphab, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the city of the wall, the wall of the city, for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, why? For the good hand of my God was upon me. Moving forward in verse 17, now we find Nehemiah traveled now from Persia to Jerusalem. After examining the walls of Jerusalem and spending time considering all that he had seen, thinking through the devastation, he gathered in verse 17 the leaders of Jerusalem and said this, You see the trouble we're in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? come. Let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also for the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. And so there's strength in their hands for the good work. As we find in chapter 2, Nehemiah after receiving uh, word of the devastation in Jerusalem, was in mourning and in tears for four months. Four months fighting the darkness of soul, fighting depression, fighting fear, fighting sadness. You see, Nehemiah was facing all these things because he had no hope. He felt like, what can I do? I'm thousands of miles away in Persia, but yet I hear of my people in Jerusalem, the the land that my heart longs for, because Nehemiah most likely wasn't born in Jerusalem. He probably never even seen Jerusalem. The the most he'd heard was the teachings from his mother, from his father, from his grandparents. And they told him about the place that God had prepared for his people. But all Nehemiah knew was exile, isolation. But we also started to experience was the birth of a dream. You see, Nehemiah was experiencing a stirring of his soul. You see, externally he had it all. He had a great job. He worked directly for the most powerful man in the world, the king of Persia. He had great authority and great trust. He had no doubt many resources. He lived literally in the lap of luxury. He lived in the palace. And he was the one entrusted to maintain the king's protection by being the first one to taste the wine and the food because his job was to protect the king from being poisoned. He had everything this world had to offer, yet internally... In here, he was grieving. He was a mess. Have you ever experienced that before? Having everything the world has to offer, being able to go on every trip, go through every experience, go to every distraction that this culture and our world offers. Yet, when you go to sleep at night, you're left unfulfilled. You're wishing and hoping that there's something more out there. That is Nehemiah. But Nehemiah couldn't show his struggle. He had to put on the happy face. Because the last thing you want is to have a cupbearer seem mad, upset, in anguish, right when he's giving the king his food. But King Artaxerxes sees his despair and asks him the question, why are you sad? And in that moment, he had a decision to make. Nehemiah, is it going to be business as usual? Are you going to give the fake, oh, yeah, everything's great? Or is going to be honest? He's going to take... A moment to evaluate. And that's what he does. What does he do before he replies to King Artaxerxes? Nehemiah prays to the God of heaven and earth. So before he speaks to the most powerful man on earth, he speaks to the most powerful God in heaven. And God gives him a clear calling and purpose, and that is to step up and put his neck out for his people. You see, who was preventing the walls from being built? It was King Artaxerxes. Because he's conquered Babylon. He conquered Jerusalem. He didn't want a nation to step up and fortify its walls against him. But yet, through Nehemiah's suffering, his pain, his sadness, King Artaxerxes sees his soul. He lays it all out. How can I be happy how can all this satisfy me when the graves of my forefathers are in ruins? The walls to protect the children and the women and the men are ruined where my faith community, my people are in disarray. How can I be satisfied by everything around me when my people live in anguish? To Nehemiah's surprise, King Artaxerxes says, well, he doesn't say none of my business, none of my concern I'm sorry to hear that. God turns King Artaxerxes' mind and says, What do you want, Nehemiah? I think that's a fitting question for us. What do you want? What is your purpose? What is your calling? You see, Nehemiah goes to God, and he refuses to let fear and sadness continue to live rent-free in his mind and his soul. And that's what fear and sadness wants to do, right? They want to live rent-free in your life, in your mind. They want to keep you in bondage, keep you in shackles. But Nehemiah makes the decision, no longer am I going to live in fear of the future, no longer am I even going to live in fear of the king. But I'm going to step out because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God is calling me to do with my life. And so in prayer, he brings it all to God. There was once a man who asked, who was asked, what did you gain by praying to God? And after thinking about it for a few moments, he replied, I've gained nothing. But let me tell you what I've lost in prayer. I've lost anger, my ego, depression, insecurity, and fear of death. You see, sometimes the answer to prayer, the best answers to prayer, is losing. Losing those things that would keep us in chains and in shackles. And God, through prayer, people, this is the gift of prayer. Prayer is not just some superficial religious activity that good Christians should do to feel better about themselves. Prayer is not even us giving our wishes to God. Prayer is an opportunity, a blessed opportunity, where we, even for a moment, even just for a second, can connect with the eternal King of heaven. And for him to let us know that we are his children. And though we fear, we can bring our fear to God and say, God, God goes, let me take that from you. That depression, that anxiety, let me, let me take that from you. That was never yours to begin with. Let me, let me take that from you. And so doing, losing those things that weigh us down, we were finally free to start Rebuilding. You see, Nehemiah lost his fear and sadness and prayer. And what did he gain? He gained a calling. See, God takes our sadness and our fear and transforms them into passion filled purpose. Now, what do we call that around here at Spanish River? We call that standing on your kingdom platform. You see, we're all builders. We're all living for a name, for a purpose. The question is, whose kingdom are we building on the platforms that we're given? The platforms are your opportunities, your talents, your fears of, spheres of influence. This is a platform. What do you communicate on your platform? Some people build their kingdom. So it's all about fulfilling my goals, my dreams, my desires. It's about making me happy. I am the queen. I am the king. Other people spend their life and their days building someone else's kingdom. I live for my spouse. I live for my kids. And so you make these people king and queens, princes and princesses over your life, who reign over your life. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm not saying they're necessarily evil things. But is that the kingdom that you were made for? Or is it possible that you were made for an eternal kingdom? And so we want you to identify your kingdom platform. Simply put, kingdom platform is your calling, it's your purpose. Kingdom platform, what it means is identifying your gifts so you can use your gifts to both witness and serve. It's about speaking truth, but backing it up with tangible acts of love and service right? Not just serving people and never telling them about Jesus because you want to offend them, and therefore your your serving kind of only has temporary benefits, but saying, I'm going to serve you, and when an opportunity comes for you to ask me, why are you doing this? A a purpose question, a why question. I'm going to infuse that moment with the gospel. I'm going to infuse that moment with kingdom principles, and that's what Nehemiah does, right? Nehemiah is faithfully serving the king, And when the king asks him, him, what would you ask of me? He brings kingdom opportunities to to him. Not for the kingdom of Persia, not for the kingdom of man, not for the kingdom of this world, but for the kingdom of the living God. And, And so I want to ask you three questions. This is what we call our kingdom platform circles. And these Three circles. If you answer these three questions, you're well on your way of identifying your kingdom platform, your calling, your purpose. And the first question is, who are your people? Where is your place? And finally, what is your passion? Who are the people that got has place in your life? These are the people you're concerned about. The people you probably run into or face or interactive on a daily basis. Or maybe this is a group of people that you constantly read in the newspaper about. Or better yet, these are the people you think about when you go to sleep, right before you go to sleep and you're worrying about them thinking, how are they doing? Who are your people? Then then next, this is the who question. This is the where question. Where can you get and opportunities to serve them and witness to them. And if this is the who question, and if this is the where question, this is the why question. Why is it? What is it about these people in that place that you can identify and where these three overlap here, the sweet spot in the middle, is what you'll find your kingdom platform? Let me, let me just give you some examples of what this looks like in different people in our church. Let me tell you about Musa. Musa people are young adults. That's his people. His place is here on Thursday nights where he gathers young people together. This is his calling. Why? Because he believes and values creating space for young adults that have healthy environments and healthy opportunities to build healthy relationships for the sake of growing in their faith that's his kingdom platform let me tell you about luca luca's people luca has many people he has many people but one of luca's people are homeless mothers that's his people and his place is city house a nonprofit organization that provides temporary housing so women can get off the streets with their children and start to get and get everything they need, training, everything, wraparound service to get everything they need to to get back on their feet. Why? Because he believes that every mother should have dignity, his kingdom platform. It's Mandy, who people are Um, young children in our community here in Boca Raton. She serves them as far as serving on the board of of the Boys and Girls Club of Boca Raton. It's 100 children who are under-resourced. And they provide, once again, wraparound services, after-school program, uh, uh, tutoring education, fun summer activities, because their parents are probably working and they don't have the means so that this is a safe place, an affordable place that they can go. Why? Because every child matters. And should have what they need in order to make a life for themselves that's our kingdom platform it's jamie jamie who people are families of palm beach county and in june she's going to be the next president of the junior league here in palm beach county great opportunity for jamie many of you guys know jamie and her passion is mobilizing volunteers to serve She loves organizing events, structures to provide tangible help for families who are in need. That's her kingdom platform. What was it for Nehemiah? Come on, you know. Who's his people? Israel. The Israelites. God's people. Where's his place? Was it Susa? Was it remaining in the the palace? Living in a lap of luxury? No, his place was Jerusalem, a broken-down city, that no, a neighborhood that no one wanted to go to. But he was called because the living God was stirring something in his soul. That's his passion. You see, this is something the world cannot give you. This is something that you cannot buy with money. This is purpose. And it comes when you connect with the living God who, who created you precisely for that moment. And so I want to give you an opportunity. Many of you guys, as a matter of fact, about 400 people have gone through this training that we developed here at Spanish River. Lara, Wob, and I developed this training here, and about 400 of you all have gone through it. So there's 400 people that have thought through this, and many of you have not got the opportunity well, I want to invite you, next month we're going to have another opportunity. This is the workbook that we've developed where you can walk step by step to identify exactly what God is calling you to do. And so if you want to get more information about the training, just go to SpanishSherber.com KP. And if there's any way I can serve you along your journey, this is the reason why I'm here. Because Kingdom Platform is my, one of my Kingdom Platforms. But let's look back to Nehemiah. Let's look at Nehemiah. See, the point is, when you find you, you'll find your purpose when you identify your people, place, place and past passion. And when you answer those questions, you start to understand what your calling is. And when you understand what your calling is, you start having clarity about your life. And when you do, you'll start to begin to step out in boldness as you stand on your kingdom platform. You see, clarity of calling leads to boldness of living. And that's the, transmi- that's the transformation that we see in Nehemiah's life. You see, courage, boldness, is not the absence of fear, but rather is the boldness to press forward in the face of adversity. We all have fear. If you're dealing with fear right now or anxiety, You're a human being. You're not alone. We all face it. The question is, what are you going to do with that fear? Are you going to allow the fear keep you on the bench, on the sidelines? Are you going to trust in the living God, pull from the resources that he offers you, and step out in boldness so you can start making an impact in the world that God has placed you in? You see, notice Nehemiah's boldness is not rooted in pride or self-reliance, but is completely founded in God and connected to it by both prayer and fasting. And perhaps there is no greater gauge to measure one's dependence upon God than the time they spent in prayer. And so perhaps your first step 2021 is to reconnect with god through prayer but notice what nehemiah does and let's let's wrap up our time with this idea nehemiah spent his entire life sacrificing himself his own livelihood for the sake of another man's kingdom literally he could have been it at any time nehemiah didn't know but he was willing to do that he was giving his life to a man but then everything switched a new chapter in his life was starting to be written and he realized no longer am i going to live for a man i'm going to live for god and god is sending me out to his people and nehemiah says to his king no longer am i going to sacrifice sacrifice myself for you but i'm going to give my life for my people you see the switch So many of you here are listening, watching online, and you're you're saying to yourself, I'm done sacrificing myself for other people. I know there's there's more to life than this. And you hear God calling you. And you're saying, yeah, I want to make a difference in my community. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to serve them. I want to do it in a way that excites me and a way I can use my gifts. But I don't even know where to start. We start, as we start everything, by looking to Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was the one who reigned on the throne room of heaven, the creator of the heavens and earth. Yet Jesus went to a broken place. He came into this world born into a virgin. He came into a sinful world. And all of us, the Bible says, have been ransacked by fear, which is why we're dealing with the issue to rebuild in the first place. And that sin, the sin that brings us far from God, invites death into our lives. Invites spiritual death, eventually physical death, and if left unaccounted for, accounted for, eternal death, meaning eternal separation from the God who loved us and created us for something so much more. And there's no amount of good works that we can do Amount of, no amount of service hours that we, can, that we can present before God with our lives and say, hey God, I know I'm bad, but I made up for it. That doesn't work. Our good works don't work. Because God is perfect. And he wants perfection from his kids. But we, his children, cannot live up to that task because all of us have sinned and for short of the glory of God. But the The bad news, even though the bad news declares this over our lives, and these are hard truths to wrestle with, we all know that it's just that, it's the truth. But then the good news of the gospel comes in and says that God loves us. And he did for us what we cannot do for ourselves by sending Jesus to sacrifice himself after living a perfect life by going to the cross. And on that cross, the Father knowing everything about us, I mean everything. Every word that we've spoken, every actions that we've done, every thought that we've conceived, he knows all of it. He decided to show us love and not judgment. The Father took our sin and placed it upon Jesus' shoulders and punished Jesus instead of us. And on the third day, Because Jesus is who he said he is, the son of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was brought back to life. You see, God specializes from bringing life from death. He takes our graves and he gives us gardens. And all he says to do is to trust him. To trust him with our lives by saying Jesus I've went my own way I know I'm going down a road to disaster I understand that I want something new I need you to guide me I need you to shepherd me I need you to save me Jesus I need you to forgive me that is you today Jesus is calling you by name calling you to trust him fully with your life knowing that God has something beautiful planned for you God wants to bring resurrection to your life. He wants to bring bring you wholeness to your life. He wants to bring healing to your life. But it starts by hearing the words, come, follow me. And us saying, yes, Lord. That is you. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning confessing, Lord, that we are far from you and our sin has led us astray. Lord, we're done living for other people's kingdoms. We're done living even for our own kingdom. Lord, we want so much more and we know it's found in your kingdom. Lord, you've created us with eternity in our hearts and therefore it is only eternity, you who can satisfy. Jesus, Would you forgive us of our sins? Would you renew us and give us strength? Would you lead us to greener pasture? Jesus, we give you our lives because you first gave us yours. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.